the design and thought that went into this building is, is absolutely amazing. I've been here for seven and a half years and I find myself still educating myself to the best of my ability on, 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 on how and why some of the details were, were put in place. And when I get clear information on why some of these things went into place, it's really amazing. Ton of thought went into it. This is Money Conscious from Millstone Evans Group. I'm your host, Sasha Millstone. Join me as we discuss investing, financial planning, and life. Visit us at millstoneevansgroup.com. And thanks for joining us. I'm very excited to have with us today, Sergio Silva. He's the facilities manager at Thornburg Investment Management. I took a tour that Sergio guided within the last month or so, and I was so impressed by the efficiency and planning that went into the building that I asked Sergio to join me. Sergio joined the company in 2015, and he oversees all aspects of building and grounds maintenance at Thornburg's 100,000-square-foot certified LEED Gold headquarters in Santa Fe. He is in charge of their physical infrastructure, security, testing, and inspections, environment, health, and safety requirements. So Sergio has a big job. Before joining Thornburg, Sergio was in the Navy, where for four years he led a specialized team of seven troubleshooters over two Operation Enduring Freedom deployments. Sergio performed on-the-go troubleshooting and repair for 12 Super Hornet aircraft during high-tempo combat operations in the Persian Gulf. Later, as an avionics production-leading petty officer, Sergio supervised the maintenance efforts and training of 90 skilled technicians for 103 F-A-18 aircraft, including aircraft weapon systems, AESA radar, and other avionics systems. Earlier in his career, Sergio spent six years as assistant chief engineer at the El Dorado Hotel in Santa Fe and as an avionics electrical depot technician at Santa Fe Aerospace. As you can imagine, Sergio has completed extensive coursework in mechanical and electrical engineering at Santa Fe Community College, and he earned certificates of completion from Naval Air Training Facilities in aviation electrical troubleshooting, wire repair, and safety practice, conventional weapons testing and release, and wire bundle repair. In 2003, Sergio was named New Mexico Lodging Association Engineer of the Year, and during his distinguished career in the U.S. Navy, with three U.S. Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medals, a Good Conduct Medal, Sailor of the Quarter, and in 2009, Sailor of the Year, Strike Fighter Squadron 115. Welcome, Sergio. I'm so excited to have you with me today to talk about this amazing LEED Gold Certified Building that you now manage. Thank you for having me, Sasha. I'm, I'm happy to be here. The thing that really struck me about 
the building is how well designed it is from an environmental perspective. I wanted you to just tell us a little bit about the gentleman who really was behind the design of this building. Well, Ricardo Legareta was, was the architect. There was quite a few, quite a few other hands involved, including uh, Decker Perry uh, Sabatini out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. The construction and design of, of this facility was before my time. So I, uh, I, I came into it essentially blind to the lead, the lead aspects of, of, a, of a facility and, and how it was designed to, to use uh, 47% less energy and 43% less water than a facility of a typical uh, size. So I, I, I had to learn, I had to learn all those details. Um, it's, I've been here seven and a half years and, and uh, to this day, I'm, I'm still learning uh, some of the details that make it as efficient as it is. One of the things that we talked about was the solar power system of the building and how Thornburg is able to harness it and actually make some money on selling power back to the public utility. So why don't we start off by talking about this very intensive solar-powered system? Sure. So we have solar panels on our roof, uh, covers about 22,000 square feet, 840 solar panels. That goes down to a, a solar inverter in our mechanical area. And what that does is it, is it takes that electricity that we harness from the sun and it goes directly to the load of the building, which consists typically about between 30 to 40% of our electrical usage. What we end up seeing in credits for what we do sell back to the grid is about $50,000 a year. The system paid itself off in the first five years of ownership. So right now it's, it's a moneymaker for us uh, as, as well as it reduces the amount of electricity we, we use from our utility provider, which is PNM. It uses 47% less energy, uh, is what you said a minute ago. Can you talk a little bit more about why does it have to do with uh, perhaps some of the windows or how lighting is, is in the building? Uh, I absolutely can. So how we achieve that, that figure is uh, through our lighting and, and through the, the design of the building. At this point in time, we've replaced what we can uh, as far as lighting goes with uh, LED lighting, which for the most part is, is, our, is our parking lot, our exterior lighting and, and some indoor lighting uh, where we cannot or have not been able to upgrade to LED. We still use uh, high efficiency uh, fluorescent lighting, uh, which in, in a, probably about 75% of the building is overhead lighting, which is uh, controlled by dimmers. So with the light, the, uh, the ambient light that comes into the building, these sensors can detect how much light's coming in and it'll adjust that light, essentially automatic dimmers. We, we, uh, we're not running at 100% if we don't have to. And not only that, we have timers on all the lighting in, in, in the building with the exception of emergency egress. So at 8, 8, at 8 o'clock p.m., everything shuts down. 6 a.m., everything comes back to life. Uh, so there's there's no need for somebody to worry about somebody from facilities or or uh, any other occupants uh, ensuring that the lights turn off. Uh, they're they're uh, automated and 
we save a ton of energy with with that system alone. Explain the difference between fluorescent lighting and the LED lighting from an environmental perspective. Well, there's there's a couple details there. Fluorescent lighting does have harmful uh, chemicals in it. Now, fluorescent lighting is is very efficient. However, it, it does have mercury inside of it. What what that means for for us and for any for anybody with uh, fluorescent lighting is um, how you recycle that material locally in, in Santa Fe. It's it's difficult to find a company to to help dispose properly and, and recycle this material, which in Santa Fe there's not. We we use a company called Veolia. Uh, they send us uh, properly sealed cases with documentation that states that we properly recycle uh, fluorescent lighting and make sure that these harmful materials don't end up in, in our waters and in, in, in ground and things of that nature or in landfills. Uh, LED lighting is a little different. It, it does not have mercury in it. However, like I said, where we were able to upgrade uh, to LED, we have. And when the time comes, uh, which I'm sure it will as technology advances, uh, that's that's the direction we want to go. Get everything in the building LED, and and not have uh, fluorescent lighting at all. And you don't have any incandescent lighting in the building right now at all, do you? And we do not have incandescent lighting, uh, which, unfortunately, for those that still do, is 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 very inefficient. It generates a ton of heat, which means it pulls a lot of electricity, a lot of energy to operate that type of lighting. Well, in fact, when the building was designed, it was designed, as I understand it, with quite a bit of windows. And the idea there is to try to get as much sunlight into the building as possible, which really helps also with energy usage. You're absolutely right, Sasha. This building is designed for the purpose of 97% of the people in the building having a view of the outside. On top of that, uh, what that also does for us from an energy saving standpoint is it reduces the amount of energy we need uh, in the wintertime to heat the building. So there's, there's a double-edged sword with that. That much light coming in reduces the amount of, of lighting we need from our overhead lighting for office space and such with, with, with our dimmer systems. Solar gain is very beneficial for us in, in the winter months is where you see it the most. We have two high-efficiency boilers that we use to heat the building. We're probably in the range of about $17,000 a year to heat the building, a 100,000 square foot building, which is, which is relatively cheap. Uh, and the, the, the amount of glass that we have in the building is, is, is how we achieve that. And I think you told me that you even have focused on the lighting in the parking lot. Correct. So most exterior parking lot and or street lighting is typically HID lighting, high intensity discharge lights, and they use a ton of energy to, to run. Uh, what we had in the, in the past prior to the upgrade were 175 watt uh, light bulbs, and we changed them all out to 50 watt LED lights, which are far more efficient. I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head the, the cost saving a year, but what I can tell you is that we installed these at the seven-year mark, we installed them seven years ago, and we have not replaced one yet. Oh, my goodness. And I think you told me before it cuts the energy use by something like 50%. So, 
somewhere in the range of that, correct? If not more. <laughs> you also told me that you did something special with the parking lot. I think you called it a gravel paved two system. Did I get that right? You did. A gravel paved two system is, is what you'll see in our parking lot. To most, it looks like a bunch of gravel lots. That's not the case. It's, it's actually uh, mats of cylinders connected together. They're about inch and a half tall. And what that does for us, we lay that down, you stake it down, you cover it with gravel. And, and not only does it reduce uh, what you would call the island effect, which helps generate more heat, it allows uh, precipitation to go back into, in, into the earth uh, versus running off. And it, if you want to talk about the runoff aspect of it and why that's important to the environment is uh, in a parking lot, you have cars and with cars, you have chemicals. We get some rain in a concrete and or asphalt parking lot. That runoff is going to take those chemicals and it's going to push it down in, into some of the runoff areas, ultimately make it, making it back to, uh, in, in our case, the, the Rio Grande River. Uh, but with this gravel paved two system, what happens is, is that gravel paved two system traps those chemicals and it allows clean water to go back into their, again, uh, you know, re reducing uh, the amount of, of, of pollution that, that we could generate versus a, a traditional parking system. You told me it was called bioremediation and also that the cylinders that you use are 100% recycled plastic. That's correct. They are 100% recycled, the material that uh, gravel paved is made out of. But yes, that's, that is the technical term for it, is bioremediation. That's what I was, when I was on the tour, I was astounded by how every single part of the building has been thought through from an environmental perspective. What can it save and what can it add to your water and energy lowering that consumption? Well, if, uh, if, if anybody were to take a walk throughout, the, throughout our facility, we, we have a kitchen. It's, it's not a full-service kitchen, a uh, couple sinks. We have a uh, few showers and some restrooms, and everything utilizes low-flow sinks, uh, low-flow toilets, things of that nature. Um, on top of that, we do have a 50,000-gallon cistern uh, buried in our parking lot. Uh, we get a half inch of rain, and all the, all the, the drains on the roof direct that into a cistern underground and we, we can fill that and that's what we use for irrigation uh, on the property and that's that's a huge savings for us when it comes to water consumption and it's not like santa fe is getting tons and tons of precipitation either typically no this summer we've had quite a bit but standard operations <laughs> santa fe weather we don't get a ton of precipitation but you have a lot of beautiful vegetation all around your building so how do those systems work together? We do. Part of the plan there was to use native adaptive uh, plant life. And initially, 100% of the campus was irrigated until some of that material adapted to its environment. Uh, now the only thing we water is, is, is trees. Uh, our, our medians don't require uh, irrigation anymore. Most of the bush and, and smaller plant life uh, around the campus does not receive water anymore. Uh, simply our trees and, and two roof gardens get irrigated at this point. 
I think you said it took about four or five years to get to this place where you just irrigate the trees and the two roof gardens. But that, again, that plan was conceived originally before the building was even built. And, you know, the people knew that it was going to take some time, but they put the time in and now, you know, you're in the middle of a desert and you're surrounded by gorgeous vegetation. Absolutely. You know, like I mentioned before, the design and thought that went into this building is, is absolutely amazing. I've been here for seven and a half years and, and, and I find myself still educating myself to the best of my ability on, 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 on how and why some of the details were, were put in place. And when I get clear information on, on, on why some of these things went into place, it's, it's, it's really amazing. A ton of thought went into it. Well, let's shift gears a bit and talk about the solar power system. It does a lot of different things. It has a lot of ways that it's used. It sure does. So what happens is, is we, we collect energy from the sun. It comes down to an inverter. And what that does for us, the 320-ish days of sun we average a year, uh, that electricity goes to our to our load in the building. Come Saturday, Sunday, most of our mechanical equipment is on a timer. So all that equipment's off and whatever electricity we uh, collect goes back to the grid. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's where we see those credits. That's, that's how they're uh, making uh, Thornburg money at this point. I love it. And then doesn't, I, I'm probably getting this wrong, but you'll help me out. Doesn't water flow under the floors of your building that helps with the heating and cooling? So the, the, the way the, the, the basic design of our HVAC system is what you call UFAD. It's a underfloor air distribution. And what that means is when you walk through our building, what you're actually standing on, the, the, the floor you walk on is, is a raised surface. And that cavity underneath that raised surface acts, acts as an air plenum. Uh, and, and in this case, that's our supply plenum. Uh, in, in the ceiling, in that void in, in the ceiling, is all, there's also a plenum there, and that acts as our return. And what that does is, is, is it allows physics, it allows physics to, to help air distribution. You're supplying air through the occupied space of a room from the bottom to the top versus a, your traditional system where you're supplying it from the top and you're also returning in the top. So you're short cycling that air, which requires much more energy uh, to condition the air and in, in, in the, in those uh, living spaces, working spaces, uh, whatever they may be, the occupied space. With our system, the, the, way, it, the way it functions, uh, we typically see massive energy savings in the summer months. Uh, because of the way we deliver that air, we can supply it about 10 degrees warmer. Uh, so about 62 degrees is our set point. Traditional building, uh, top with a supply in the top and return in the top, you're probably pushing 55 degree air, which requires a ton of energy to, to run a chiller and extra fans, whatever means they're using to cool, cool that air. And in our case, we use chilled water. I love it. When I first talked to you and you told me that when you came to this building, you, you, you had a lot of engineering experience, but you didn't have a lot of experience with the environmental aspect. 
And the, this seems like this building is pretty complicated. And so what was that learning process like for you? Well, I, I can tell you that <clears throat> when I when I came for my interview, I arrived at the building. I, I, I honestly didn't really understand what Thornburg Investment Management was. But I walked up those stairs and I was uh, allowed into the building. And, and the first thought in my mind is, you know, what am I getting myself into? You know, coming from a coming from a close to you know thirty year old hotel to this magnificent facility was was to be honest with you almost intimidating because I had no idea when we started discussing uh, some lead aspects and things of that nature. But in all reality, it it, it was it was an unknown, and I knew it was going to be a challenge, and uh, I, I wanted the challenge. I, I wanted to learn more about it, which. Uh, can help me be and has helped me be more uh, environmentally conscious. I think you said that after you did some research about this facility, it really did attract you. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I had two interviews. Uh, in, in between my first and second, I had many sleepless nights wondering if, if, I, was, <laughs> if, I, was, uh, if I was cut out to come into this building and, and perform the way I was going to need to perform. After my second interview, I, I knew that I was a, attracted to not only what, what Tim does, Thornburg Investment does, but a, attracted to the idea of, of something new to learn and how I can uh, better my skills at, be, at becoming a facility manager uh, as, well, as well as you know, uh, lead conscientious. It seems like you're very passionate now about the environment and you're so proud of the building and about how this very large company, giant building is actually operating in an unbelievably efficient way. So I wonder if you could share how that, kind of how you grew in terms of your passion for the environmental aspects of your job. Well, I've, I've actually grown quite a bit in, in, in that regard, you know, coming from, like I said, coming from a close to 30 year old building that doesn't follow those type of practices, which uh, isn't, isn't uncommon. Not everybody follows that path, but it's coming in here and, and learning some of those details uh, has, has really helped me outside of work, make the choices that, I, that I've needed to make to, to do my part. Uh, in, in being uh, more environmentally friendly. Uh, yeah, for instance, I, I drive an older vehicle, uh, and in, instead of instead of buying a, a, a newer vehicle, I I went to junkyards and got remanufactured parts or junkyard parts, and I rebuilt I rebuilt um, an old vehicle, and, and I continue to drive it this day, and it still passes emissions, and and it's paid off. And I, and I reduced my carbon footprint by not buying another vehicle off of a showroom floor. I love that. The building has won a lot of awards, hasn't it? It has. Lead Gold being the, the main award. Uh, out, outside of that, uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. Tell us about what Lead Gold really means. What does a building have to be? What standards? Lead Gold is a leadership in environmental and energy design. And what, what that means is you want to generate a building that's going to be, uh, it's going to run efficient, it's going to be sustainable, and it's going to be friendly to the environment. 
uh, for instance, uh, you can come into our building and one of the requirements was using uh, low VOC volatile organic compound or, or, or no VOC uh, compounds, chemicals throughout the building. Uh, and one of the cooler details with regards to that is uh, the, the texture throughout, through, on the walls throughout the building. Your typical texture applications are aerosol-based texture and or, or, or uh, hopper-based textures, which are run by compressors, which use electricity. Uh, and obviously aerosol-based are, are, are bad for, for the ozone. Our texture is a mixture of joint compound and play sand, and it's applied manually with a roller. And not, not only is it uh, safe for the environment, but it is the environment, it's sustainable. We can go outside and get sand and mix it with a joint compound and make a patch on a wall if we have to. I love that. It is the environment. Well, Sergio, I want to thank you for coming and talking about this incredible building where I think you said 97% of the people have an outdoor view in the building. And I've been there many times over my career and it never fails to impress. And the tour that I took with you just blew me away. So thank you so much for, for joining me today to talk a little bit about this. My pleasure, Sasha. And again, I'd be happy to share more information with, with you and, and, and anybody else that's uh, interested in it. We could go for, for hours on the thousands and thousands of details in this building that make it as efficient and sustainable as it is. Well, let's put some things in the show notes, Sergio. Let's, if you could send us a photo of the building or other visuals that we can put in the show notes and then people can actually see more about this conversation. Absolutely, I'd be happy to do that. Thanks for listening to Money Conscious. Visit us at millstoneevansgroup.com. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Sasha Millstone. Sasha Millstone is the president and an investment advisor with the Millstone Evans Group, a registered investment advisor located in Colorado. All opinions expressed by Sasha and her podcast guests on this show are their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Millstone Evans Group. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.